This Week in Startups is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean provides the easiest cloud platform to deploy, manage, and scale applications. Sign up today and receive $100 credit at do.co slash twist. And LinkedIn. LinkedIn is more than the world's largest professional network. It's also a better way to find great talent. Go to linkedin.com slash twist and get a $50 credit towards your first job post. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of This Week in Startups. I'm your host, Jason Calacanis. We do this show 100 times a year, and I love doing it. Why? It makes me smarter talking to intelligent people, founders who want to change the world through the vehicle of startup companies. Well, that's what I do here in Silicon Valley. I invest in startup companies. I have them on the podcast. I talk to investors, and we try to figure out where the future is going and how this technology is going to impact society and our lives. Perhaps one of the most interesting technologies that we've been watching for the past decade is augmented reality. Augmented reality is the, how would we say it? It's the cousin of virtual reality. Virtual reality, you put in a headset and you're taken to a place far, far away, another world. Augmented reality, you stay in your world, but that world becomes augmented, annotated, with digital assets from the virtual world. So, when you saw Minority Report and our hero Tom Cruise wearing goggles and moving stuff around on the screen, that was augmented reality. When you saw Johnny Mnemonic and you put on the headset and you went into the virtual world or Ready Player One, you go into the virtual world and you play a different character, that's virtual reality. Now that we got that out of the way, this is becoming a big, big bet by Silicon Valley. We've seen Oculus get bought by uh, Mr. Zuckerberg for over $2 billion, And they recently came out with a two or $300 version of it. It's on the shelf over here. What do they call it? The Oculus One? Something like that? The Go. The Go. Thank you. Oculus Go. Great product. And it uh, goes right on the shelf as far as I'm concerned <laughs> because the experience is boring. It's nonsense. And I have motion sickness. My one weakness, a lot of you have asked, Jason, God, you're so good at so many things. Is there a weakness? Is there a chink in the army? Is there a, an Achilles heel? For our Greek hero, Jason Calacanis, there is motion sickness. Oh, God, I get on a boat, I puke. These headsets, the worst for me. But augmented reality is different. We have a company in Florida that has raised billions of dollars. And uh, it's called Magic Leap. They hope to make glasses. Apple is well known to be building glasses. And Tim Cook has said over and over again, I think augmented reality is fascinating. Uh, he said it just like that. That's my Tim. I got to work on my Tim Cook uh, impersonation. But he did say that they thought augmented, he said, he thought augmented reality was more interesting than virtual reality. He's right. My guest today has raised $37 million, or over $37 million, in a Series A and a Series B funding. Those things go sequentially here in Silicon Valley. And what's notable is that he's got some of the greatest investors in the world, Kleiner Perkins, first round index ventures, Danny Reimer and those cats, and uh, my friend Bill Gurley's firm, Benchmark, which pound for pound is in the number one or two slot as far as venture capital firms go today. That's always a good indication that something is going on. And my guest's name is Anjanay Midha. Did I get it right, Anjanay? You got it right. Anjanay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, you are uh, the founder, co-founder, and CEO of Ubiquity6. That's right. And you've raised tens of millions of dollars 37.5 in uh just since 2017 is that right mm -hmm. so this is a short period of time the company's existed for less than two years mm -hmm. how on earth did you raise that 
monumental amount of cash in order to pursue a, a vision in AR. And what is that vision? Let's get into it. What is Ubiquity 6? And welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, the vision is to bring people together in shared spaces, in physical spaces. Like you said, it's the idea that this is the real world. We're sharing the real world. And now the real world can finally have the things that have made the internet amazing, real-time mm. communication, but in physical spaces. Got it. So how is this going to manifest itself? Do I need to have a pair of goggles or do I do AR through my phone like Pokemon Go? I think Pokemon Go is probably what most people consider the best example of AR to date or the largest adoption of AR to date. Is that right. correct? I, I think it's the starting point that most people know about. Yeah. But it is the most adoption ever of an AR I would, experience. I think, so. I think so. Many, many millions, tens of millions of people have played that. It, uh, we can get into what AR, I mean, some people do consider Google Maps AR something that gives me real-time information about my physical space and changes uh, my actions. Nah, but it's not being seen through the lens. Isn't right. AR, by definition, you have to layer the digital asset on top of the real the world? The visual feed of the real yes. world. I think that's an important distinction, and I think Pokemon Go is probably the, the, the starting point for that, right. adopted the, the, the largest scale to date. Right. So in Pokemon Go, you would hold up your phone, and you would see, I don't know, like a little creature over here, you have to hit it with a ball, right. score some points, and right. that gives you the ability to motivate people to walk around the world. In right. some cases, walk into traffic. In some cases, go on people's private property. It caused like a little bit of a... There were some edge cases that got interesting. I don't know. Did anybody die from Pokemon Go? I think there were I cases. I hope not. <laughs> I'm not sure if they did, but they, I wouldn't be surprised if they were. And that, that was part That's just of, Darwin right there. That's, that's humans for you. Um, when tech... You know this. When, when tech changes human behavior, some, yeah. some people do stuff you don't expect. Yeah. I uh, just saw somebody on a bird with a cup of coffee. And their AirPods in. And they were doing a, they were on their phone, doing a phone call with their AirPods in. And I was like holding the phone right. and the coffee and the steering wheel. And they, I'm like, this person's going to die. Yeah, Santa Monica is a great test ground. You just say, how much multitasking can you really stuff onto an electric scooter? It's a pretty fun question. <laughs> so what, can you show me what you're working on and how it's working? You're a game company, is that right? Uh, we're, we're an AR company. I think games are one of the things people really, really want to build mm. using our tools and our tech. Um, but as we learned pretty quickly, games are good indicators of other things that come after because games are often the places where uh, new technologies end up meeting consumers for the first time. And then people go, hey, uh, I want to do something more than games. I want to build a, oh. a guide. I want to build an interactive uh, experience here that has nothing to do with a game, but brings me So together. you see yourself as a a company that's building a platform or a company that's going to build a bunch of different experiences or is there something hidden that we are not privy to right now? There, there's stuff that's not, that's not, you're not privy to right okay. now, but I, I'm excited. Is it hardware? Are you, I mean, this is a lot. No, of, no. So the idea is today, all you need is a phone, the phone in your pocket. We have supercomputers that hundreds of millions of people mm -hmm. have. I think we built the company because like you said, science fiction has promised a world where yeah. finally this stuff uh, shows up in our daily lives. Blade Runner, which I see you're a big fan of. Yeah. Ghost in the Shell. There's a novel that excited me and my co-founder to start the company called Rainbow's End by Werner Vinge. If you haven't oh, read yeah. it, you got to read it. I haven't. Uh, 2012 Hugo Award winner. And it presents a world where your daily routine is reimagined if everyone has ubiquitous AR on, in, in glasses, uh, contact lenses. So that's the future we started the company for. But there's a bunch of milestones along the way that you can get that are pretty valuable just with these guys. Have you heard of a company working on contact lens based AR? Um, 
over 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 the last few years, a lot of people have actually tried that, including I think Google. Um, so there, it's always been uh, it's it's one of those things. Wait, wait, wait. They've tried it, or they've experimented, or what? Done an exploration of it? I'm not. You've sure. just heard it, but you've never met somebody working on this directly, have you? Um, it's interesting because you would know if it existed, they would come to you at some point. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, 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 there, there That's are a long pause. See, you want to play poker. You don't want to have that long of a pause because that means you know uh, something. I'm already in the turn. You know something. There are folks working on that. There are people. There okay, are so you're not going to tell me who, but you know firsthand of people working on it. There are folks who, who, wanna, who want to make that a reality. Got I it. think it's, it's a How question. far off is it? Yeah, that's the question. I'm not, I have no idea. Because if you sure. think about it, if you were to put in contact lenses, right. they have to be incredibly thin. Right. It has to be a screen of some type. It has to have an energy source. It has to have battery. Right, that's what it has to have your, energy in your right, eye. It in makes your no eye. sense. And that's really hard to do with electroconductive batteries, which is the primary technology we You'd use You'd have to today. be wireless batteries where they'd be getting, like maybe you'd wear an earpiece or a headset that would maybe send some wireless energy over. Is that maybe or the idea? Or you'd have to find a Inductive? way to, to draw energy from the natural organic sources oh, in your body. Wow. Right? Wow, now we're really getting into science fiction. Imagine yeah, but the that. point is we've got something pretty darn good already, which is these phones in your pocket. Let me just pause the action here for, to let everybody know that I have the Pokemon death trap. <laughs> there is literally, the internet never disappoints. If you want to at home, go to Pokemon, Pokemon Go <laughs> death tracker.com. Pokemon Go death tracker.com. Who knows if this is true or not, but it's on the internet, so it must be. Um, oh, God. A father and son beat man over Pokemon Go dispute. 85-year-old woman fatally struck by a driver playing Pokemon Go. This is not fun or funny it's dark chesapeake man killed by security guard was playing pokemon go says family's lawyer woman playing pokemon go seriously injured in shooting man died of a heart attack moments after catching rare pokemon lapras that's kind of funny he literally caught the the, the rarest pokemon and had a heart attack what is wrong with human beings okay let's get back to our guest human beings care a lot about stuff in the real world isn't it amazing the power of gamification just to like, again, go on another tangent with you? Right. And th that was the thesis was, can we take the best parts of massively multiplayer worlds online, which have been largely the purview of games? Nerds. Nerds uh, for a long time. And now I think, uh, well, A, I think pretty you much one everyone's these, Were you one of these World Warcraft nerds? Oh, absolutely. Right. All right, hold and on a second. World, explain... How, what World Warcraft is if people don't know what that is? Uh, without going too much, it's And a, then tell us what level your character is. Uh, <laughs> and if you're still paying 15 bucks a month. We need to know this information, as uh, embarrassing as it is for you. So World of Warcraft is, is a large-scale um, MMO, massively multiplayer online world, where millions of people who don't know each other uh, play online in a single massive shared universe. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not going to detail about my character, but, um, Come on, what level? Uh, Over I, 50? Uh, I'm not, I don't know if I should be pr <laughs> proud of this, but uh, you know, actually, I was not a huge WoW. Uh, I, I was not as big of a WoW player oh. as some of the other people. I went to school in Singapore. Huh. And in Asia, this is, this is the primary way people would socialize. And so actually, people didn't get too focused on their levels. It's interesting. People would get really focused on um, other aspects of the game that actually often had nothing to do with the gameplay that the creators wanted you to, like, to focus on. Like meeting girls or meeting guys? and um, Actually, creativity was a huge part of it. Like ah. making stuff to show off got to it, your friends. Okay. You know, crafting was a big part of these MMOs. I made something really cool. Here's my skin. 
uh, and it and it becomes a proxy for the kind of interactions you expect in the real Stop world. Stop me on Shanae. How many people have been married in Pokemon? I'm joking. That's a question for Emmy Award winning producer Jackie. Now that we've got the Pokemon Death Tracker.com, can you pull up the uh, World of Warcraft Marriages.org <laughs> webpage so we can see exactly all the marriage trackers? Right. When we get back from this quick break, uh, Anjane is going to show us uh, Ubiquity Six's first experience, or you have multiple. Mm -hmm. We have multiple. This, this okay. is one that uh, was uh, we'll the largest. We'll show you right after sure. this commercial break. That's called the teaser in the business when we get back. If you're a startup, you need to have the most reliable, the fastest, and the most affordable infrastructure. And that's where DigitalOcean comes in. They provide the easiest cloud platform to deploy, manage, and scale your applications. 150,000 businesses uh, in the world, use them and love them. And Inc. called them one of the world's fastest growing startups. You can rely on DigitalOcean to remove infrastructure friction and deliver industry-leading price and performance. DigitalOcean is, of course, built by developers for developers, and they have a huge learning community with tons of resources and tutorials. And boy, do we have a great deal for you today. If you sign up, you'll receive a $100 credit at do.co.twist do.co slash T-W-I-S-T. And here is an amazing testimonial from Content Ignite. Since moving to DigitalOcean, digital our setup is ultimately more capable than what we had before the migration. Downtime has become a rarity and our hosting costs have decreased by more than 90%. What? Yes, that's right. You're gonna get predictable, straightforward billing. You'll always know what you're gonna pay and the flat pricing structure across all data centers and regions makes it even more affordable. Customers love this. You remember Mitch Weiner called into This Week in Startups back in 2010. That's right, eight years ago. He was working in marketing and he asked me my advice. I said, go to Techstars and find some co-founders and create something you're passionate about. Well, that's DigitalOcean. And he called back in in 2014, he was a guest actually on the program, after they raised $37 million from Andreessen Horowitz. So it's very special for me to have DigitalOcean on the podcast and be a supporter of this podcast. This Week in Startups is full circle. Eight years ago, Mitch came on the podcast. So crazy. Anyway, if you wanna sign up, and I recommend you do, you'll receive a $100 credit. So go ahead and grab that $100 credit while you can. do.co slash twist. do.co slash twist. And you will love DigitalOcean. We use it. We love it. It's amazing. Many of my startups are using it. And it's just fabulous. So go ahead and check out do.co slash twist and get that $100 credit and get in there and start using that really easy to use, manageable, scalable, and affordable cloud service. There you go. Okay. Thanks again, DigitalOcean. We appreciate your support. Okay. Let's get back to this amazing podcast. Hey, everybody. Stick around to the end of the show when I, Jason Calacanis, will tell you something that I love and something that I hate. It's a new feature on This Week in Startups. So remind me at the end of the show, Jackie, to tell you something I love and something I hate. Today on the program, Anjane Midha. That's right. Midha. And uh, his name means... Um, monkey yeah. king, monkey, monkey king. god, Hanuman the is god. monkey god in Hanuman, in, the in, monkey god. That's right. In I knew mythology. that actually uh, because when I was in high school, we took religion, and they ah. would always talk about the monkey god. Right, yeah. and it's actually yeah that that so that's what it means. Yeah, we brought kids in Brooklyn. We go Hanuman. There we go. Um, so. You are building these uh, AR experiences for those of you just jumping into the podcast. I see you did a uh, public 
beta with uh, the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. We did a preview Tell there. us about that. Yeah, what was that preview? I'm um, sure I can pull this up. Um, okay, great. Let's see it. So what you're seeing I'll here, Hit play on that, and let's see if it comes up on our screen. Give us a moment here, and I'm going to sportscast it, or you can sportscast it, because remember, people are listening uh, in got large it. Okay. part. So you talked about these large MMOs, yep. right? And what you're seeing is one of these at the museum where hundreds of people are actually playing a Minecraft-style game with each other. Wow. And they're all placing blocks or selfies of themselves on the ceiling of the museum, and everyone else is seeing that show up on the at the same time. With, with their the, phones. With their own phones. So this is fascinating for people who are watching. Imagine a cavernous, you know, three-story atrium type space with a bunch of uh, art nerds running around, the tech nerds in San Francisco, and they're playing Tetris and the ceiling is coming down on them, sort of, <laughs> and they're putting their pictures up on the cubes uh, and you look at it through your phone and that's fascinating. Yeah. So it's like playing some grand game together. Right, right. Very interesting. Yeah, it has yeah, nothing it, to do with art. No, well, the idea is you can create your own art now. Your ah, own art I is see. in the museum. So this is like that paintbrush tool that uh, HoloLens has, right? Um, that's the HoloLens right. has some painting app that people are crazy about. You know what the name of that yeah, is? Uh, I'm not, I, there, there's actually a few. The one I really like, um, actually in VR, is called Tilt Brush. But oh, the that's idea, Google's Tilt Yeah, Brush. that's Google's, right? Yeah. But the idea is that you can edit a shared space together, but with just your phone. You don't need a $1,000, yeah. multi-thousand dollar piece of hardware hmm. equipment. You just pull up your phone and now you're in a shared space. And when, when will you have glasses that don't require cables or a backpack right just glasses that are let's say within 20 percent of the size of regular glasses right. or 30 percent. in other words you'd wear them and you might notice that they're ar glasses and right. thicker than regular ones but not so insane right. that you're like take those off like google glass would be a good example those looked almost normal Almost, but not quite enough. But right. I'd be really surprised if in five years, 2022, if, we, if there weren't wireless glasses like you just mentioned. So in five years, 2022, yeah. you believe we'll have glasses. They connect to your phone, obviously, because right. that'll I be think. the GPU. People aren't going to buy two GPUs to I run this. I think compute's going to be on, in, on, on device. That's right. So basically, this, this, the glasses will have what hardware profile, do you think? So you got to have rear-facing cameras. I think that's rear-facing cameras. Yeah, that's right. To understand where. Wait, you what are do you mean by rear-facing? Facing my eyes or facing out? Looking outwards. Okay. At the world. Okay. And that's because you need to understand where you are got in it. any space. And I think if you could see here, what's happening here is these that there's a map behind the hood, uh -huh. behind behind the actual experience, that are, is good enough for machines to understand mm. where in the world the device is precise to a few centimeters. Got it. And that process is called localization or positioning. Localization, positioning. So yeah. the, basically these cameras right. have sensors as well that right. can tell depth, height, mm -hmm. and angles. And with computer vision technology, they can basically make a, a floor plan. A one-for-one -one mirror of the real world. Right. And, and that was... That was the thing that was the big breakthrough. When right. did that breakthrough happen with cameras that they could were able to do this? I mean, this that technology has been around for a decade. Yeah. You know, and they've used it for all kinds of things like geospatial mapping. Mm -hmm. One discipline of that is called photogrammetry to scan old reconstruct like ruins of cultural sites. Ah. You know, uh, but to do that on um, on on phones that we all have is quite new, and that's kind of what we've been really hard at work working on. Wow, that would be amazing if you went to. Um Machu Picchu, is that how you pronounce it? Machu Picchu, yeah. Imagine going to Machu Picchu or, you know, to some, you're scuba diving and you're, you see some wreck right. and you, you're diving some wreck right. and you turn on your scuba glasses right. and all of a sudden it shows you the full ship. So if the bow was collapsed right. and it had cannons on it, you could actually see where they were. You can see an overlay. An overlay. Of, of a real-time oh, so view cool. at another time and space. 
Is you know? anybody working on scuba glasses that are AR? That's yeah, water kind of makes idea. it <laughs> one step at a time, Jason. One step at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you think in five years? Um, I'd be surprised if yeah. we didn't have at least dev kits. So the that. hardware profile will be the cameras facing out and some right. sensors. So that costs a hundred bucks, maybe two hundred bucks in camera technology, maybe a hundred. Yeah, with these commodity days. sensors. You can use a commodity camera for that. Right. Yeah. So but maybe it'd be fifty bucks or something. Um, right now and be going down at scale that's it maybe even cheaper but maybe that's cheaper. right yeah you could get yes that's right then you need some battery and that's easy yep uh, and then what else will be in them you have to have some sort of display that projects it onto your eyeball there's or... two other things you need yeah um well there's two things you need you need a camera and you need an imu which is an inertial measurement unit an inertial measurement unit that's imu right. what does that mean that's a Speak gyros- english yeah, please yeah. on the podcast uh, so an inertial <laughs> measurement unit is actually something pretty much all of us have hmm. um it consists of, a, for example, on my phone, a gyroscope and an accelerometer. Okay, great. We know what those are. Exactly. Gyroscope lets you know your position. Your, right, exactly. It's sort of like you could think of a gyroscope like when you had a um, a leveling tool when you were doing construction. It would tell you if the It the gives ruler, you rotation. Yeah, the rotation, it gives you know, rotation. And the pitch and the yaw and everything. That's right. Rotation, three degrees. That's the gyroscope. That's right. And the other piece piece is the accelerometer, which tells you how fast you're moving, the velocity. That's right. How do those, do you know how those sensors work? Or is there fluid in them or something that does this? Well, uh, there's there's various implementations of them. Mm. The one on our phones are largely digital Mm. gyroscopes, so there's no fluid. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But the key is, you're right, at a concept, from a motivation standpoint, they're trying to mimic what's going on in our our bodies. In the ears. Right, exactly. The the fluid in our ears and the, what do they call them, cochlea? Is that the, no, cochlea is the, what are the, hairs in the ear called Emmy Award when producer Jackie put it in my notes so I sound smart but those little there are those hairs in there and the fluid pushing those hairs gives you that sense right so your body is constantly combining a visual feed from your eyes which uh. are your cameras and your inner ear which is your in- gyroscope and accelerometer uh. to understand any space mm. right and the phone is, is has a proxy of those sensors yeah. and so to answer your question to do AR um, which is you got to mirror real life those mm. are the real life sensors you've got to put into it. so a when you think glasses. about it in a way what we're doing with augmented reality right. is recreating the human perception uh, uh, sensor kit. Yes, right. And then laying it on top of our existing one. So it's parallel uh, universes being laid on top of each other and a parallel stack right. of visual and spatial technologies. That spatial the, is the key the, word. The, the organic one in our bodies with the digital one. Right. And, and that's why physical spaces have been missing from the internet because we haven't had those sensors mm-hmm. out in the wild. We haven't had the technology yeah. there to mirror our human bodies at the scale we do today. And we had GPS and it gave us this first taste of it, which I, is it like, there's our Uber, it's on the way. It's like 30 feet around yes, somewhere. somewhere it's coming, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's very but how do you get to show up exactly precise to a few centimeters right. to align with your visual feed? That's what we can do. Which is fascinating because you think about it, 10 years ago, we could tell where we were on a map very easily when the iPhone started supporting GPS. Right. And now we're so like, that is so simplistic. It's the new normal, right? It's the new normal. And we're like, who cares if we know where every object in the world is? Now we want to know exactly in 3D space if we're going to crash into each other so we can build flying cars and AR experiences to place the you know, virtual characters in the right spot. Yeah, we wanted flying cars. All we got was a massive 3D computation world on top of the real one. This would never have been possible if it wasn't for the iPhone and the success of it, would it? I don't think so. I think... uh, I think what the what the iPhone did um, is, I'm I'm not sure people who were working on the iPhone ten years ago thought uh, that they would be heralding a massive new leap in AR. 
mm. um, when they were trying to get just basic texting to work. Yeah. Um, but you're right. That that was basically the starting point. It is. Fa- it's just so fascinating that the we talk about scaling businesses here in Silicon Valley. Right. Uh, and if you think about it, you actually don't know what scaling will do. And William Gibson, another uh, science fiction author, uh, he always said the street finds its own use for technology. So one of his famous expressions. That's um, a good one. And when the sensors become so cheap that they're essentially free, right? right. Something that's under $100 for consumers in America and the developed world uh, is essentially free. Right. So now you have free sensors like this, then people can explore whatever they want to do. Right. I think that's the key is because the iPhone precipitated this moment where a supply chain like the one that exists in Shenzhen can, oh, can have it, you been? Oh, I'll, like a bunch. Yeah. I've been once. It's incredible. Uh, it's Huachang Bay in Shenzhen is a living, breathing testament of why. What is uh, it? Uh, Huachang Bay is the electronics market ah. in Shenzhen. Yeah, I've been there. I didn't know the name. Yeah, it's, yeah. You've probably, if you've been to Shenzhen, you've probably been there. And it is a, it's a living, breathing testimonial to why this supply chain that Apple set off is going to result in all kinds of devices we haven't begun to. Because you just walk around the market. It's like walking around a fish market. But you see where, the, where tech is going. It's like a window into the future. When I went to that area, right. um, the person I was with was like, hey, let's go to this building. It's pretty freaky. You start at the top floor. Yeah, yeah, I know. And yes. it's like sensors. Yeah. And then yeah, you go to the yeah. next floor and it's Every like floor is a circuit floors. Commodity. Then you come down and then it's like the actual motherboard. Then you come down, it's peripherals. Then it comes down, it's the box that it comes, and then it's the package unit. So they right. basically were like, you can start at the top and get the tiniest little components to build your PC or whatever, and That's you go right. down the stack, up the stack. It's exactly it's right. pretty hilarious. It's crazy. It's yeah. like walking to Blade Runner. It really is. Yeah. It was it was crazy to uh, think of. When we get back, I want to see your next experience. Because you do have a game that you've built, correct? We're not showing off anything else today. Oh, we're not going to show we off anything else We can talk about today. it. I'm not showing off Okay, we'll talk about the today. game and what the impact on gaming technology will be. Yep. Aside from the death rate, we're going to talk about the gaming uh, aspect of this. And then I want to talk about and have a little brainstorm with you, which is going to go back and forth. I'm going to start running you through a lightning round after the break. All right. Where I'm going to talk about an industry, and then you're going to tell me how AR might impact it when we get back on This Week in Startups, plus things I love and hate. Have you tried to hire somebody lately? It is bonkers out there. We have record low unemployment, and there are many people competing to find these great team members out there. And how often do you check job boards? Probably not that often. You want to go where the talented people are. And we all know where talented people go, they go to LinkedIn, which is the world's largest professional network. I'm on LinkedIn every day. I use the feed. I use the groups. I'm obsessed with LinkedIn. I love it. And you'll probably even see we're posting clips from This Week in Startups on there. And we were getting so many views, it's bonkers, which means there's a lot of people there. There's a lot of business people there. And you can go to LinkedIn now and you can post a job. I want you to go to linkedin.com slash twist and you will get a $50 credit towards your first job post. LinkedIn.com slash twist for your $50 credit today. There are hundreds of thousands of businesses who posted on LinkedIn jobs just this past year and we are one of them and we're getting tons of great uh, candidates. 22 million professionals view and apply to jobs on LinkedIn every week. I put a little beat in there for a reason. 22 million professionals are viewing and applying to jobs on LinkedIn every week. Not every year, every week. And LinkedIn, of course, considers skills and experiences and location and more to match and promote your job to potential candidates. Businesses rate LinkedIn jobs 40% higher 
than job boards at delivering quality candidates. I know this is true. I'm surprised it's only 40%. I think it's 100%. A business is only as strong as its people. You know that. And every hire matters, especially in a startup company or a high growth company. Each position is precious. You want to get the best person and the best place to get the best person is LinkedIn. So I want you right now to go to linkedin.com slash twist, linkedin.com slash T-W-I-S-T and get that $50 credit. Terms and conditions apply. Go ahead and go to linkedin.com slash twist, linkedin.com slash twist. And hey, add me. Do a search for Calacanis. Add me to your LinkedIn. I'll, I'll accept. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a very interesting episode of This Week in Startups. I've got a great guest today. His name is Anjanay Midha, and he is the co-founder and CEO of Ubiquity6. And uh, you spent a couple years at Kleiner Perkins, did you? I did. 2013 to 2015. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. 2017, actually. Four years. Oh, four years. Yeah. A little typo here in my notes. I'll fix that here. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, two different positions. I got it. And uh, what were you doing there? Investing, research, associate? Mm -hmm. What was your title? Uh, I started a fund there called KPCB Edge, which was our seed fund. Oh, you started that? Yeah, I was a founding oh, partner. We've on that. had a couple of your partners. It's gonna take me a minute to remember the young lady's name. Ruby. Oh, Ruby was here? Ruby, not here on the podcast. She's come to uh, the incubator a couple of times, gives great feedback. Yep. And this is really interesting. The Edge program was to invest in early stage companies working on stuff like AR, VR, and computer vision. And they write little hundred K checks we like an to, angel. Uh yeah, hundred K, two hundred K, um, whatever the companies needed. Uh-huh. Before other people would say, Who else is writing a check in this round? you know? And it's sort of like Sequoia Scouts in that the scout, in this case the edge person, can make their own decision. Yeah, there's just three of us, three partners. Oh, it wasn't three. a scout program. It was a fund. It was, was a carve it an out. Actual fund. It was a, a carve, carve out, out from the main client or venture fund. Ah. We had three partners. I did AR, VR, and computer vision. Ruby was on marketplaces, and our third partner, Ronil, did blockchain. Wow. And so the idea was each of you pick one thing you care about and just focus on that. And they took a chance on, I guess, young partners yeah. who had less experience. It really was a bet on stuff nobody mm. else wanted to invest in. At the time, crypto and blockchain mm. and AR, VR, the people just looked at me like I was crazy. Remember, this was 2013. Right. You were into crypto before it was a scam. We used to run mining rigs in our dorms at at Stanford. Really? Yeah. And this is like Bitcoin is 13 Did they cents figure out that you were sucking all that electricity they at did, some point? They did. And, and they were very nice about it. And so I moved it to the client. Wait, wait. Basement. What happened? They, they came to your room and said, we're seeing a spike in energy or no, just, somebody ratted you out, right? Yeah. I bet you somebody ratted no, you we, out. No, I turned myself in. You know, oh, okay. I felt really Smart bad. Preemptive. We, we circuited the, the dorms electricity, so... It was a short oh, circuit. Oh, that's not. There's a power good. surge, and yeah, that was not good. Hey, how heartbreaking is it for you to watch this amazing space turn into a complete and utter fraud filled with charlatans and people stealing money? I'm. I don't it's got to be difficult, right, to look at it and see all these ICO scams and people glomming onto what was a very real movement by people who care deeply. There's, it, it it's it's been hard to watch. It's hard to watch. It's it's hard this is what people don't understand: is the people who got into who started the crypto revolution were in it not for money, not to make a quick buck. They were in it because they had principles. What do you think those core principles were in 2013, 2014, 2015? We were doing it for one reason. It was censorship resistance. You know, really? we were mining those coins to send them to activists overseas who wouldn't be able to receive traditional funds via bank accounts. That was the only wow. motivation. That's the, that's the whole idea behind a decentralized, trustless method of value of transfer is that you don't need a central authority. Um, and, and that's changed completely now, I think. Yeah. Anyway, it's fascinating to me watching it because we on this program were one of the first people to figure out this was a thing. 
And we had many people on here when Bitcoin was a dollar or 50 cents or whatever talking about the potential. It was so exciting. And then I just saw all the people who couldn't make it in the real industry, the real world, like these kind of outcasts or outsiders, uh, charlatans, quick money people. It reminded me exactly what happened in the dot-com boom, which was we were working on something very real. Right. And then all the bankers and greedy people just came in and were like, just make anything, we'll IPO it, spin it out. And that same thing happened with the ICOs here. And now you look at the ICOs, wow, it's like 2,000 of them and 1,900 are like, or 1,600 are MIA and hundreds have shut down. It's like weird. There's some good. Look, what don't is get wrong. What, what, where's this going to end up? There's going to be talented people working on actually good use cases for censorship resistance mm -hmm. that um, I think tr that will get startup funding from great investors and they'll build real companies. It's just going to take a while. You think censorship resistance in today's era of people being very uh, much in favor of censorship. We are living in an era where the majority of Americans, right. or I, I don't know if it's the majority, actually, I got to restate that, a significant majority of young people, I think, but I'm not sure about older people, um, would like to see more censorship. They think that mm. Milo Yiannopoulos, Cernovich, these right-wing guys, the Ku Klux Klan, the, the alt-writers, um, who's the conspiracy theorist, maniac from Infowars, that guy, mm -hmm. Alex Jones. Jones, they want all of them banned. Your position is, you don't need to ban them, you just need to understand that they're fools and racist and garbage. Oh, I, I'm thinking about countries where there's a very different kinds of censorship resistance ah. happening. I mean, the, the free speech is great and we can talk about it. Yeah. I'm talking about sort of uh, regimes where ah. people literally cannot talk about their civil rights. Got it. Okay, so you're so talking about Saudi Arabia, China, and other places where if you were to, like Rafi in Saudi Arabia has got a thousand lashes. Do you know there's a blogger who has been sentenced to a thousand lashes in Saudi Arabia named Rafi? I, I hadn't read about it, but... They only can only give him 50 lashes at a time because they need this punishment to occur over time so he doesn't die. If you right. gave somebody a thousand lashes at once, they would die. I mean, I'm thinking if you get over 100, 200, and those kind of places... Right, so think about a place where you can't... You can't get any funds to organize people who would literally just want civil rights. They just want yeah. to be able to uh, assemble publicly in a park. Yeah. And you can't do that. So, yeah, that, that, that's what I meant by censorship. And, and to me, it's very fascinating because I, when I grew up, I worked for Amnesty International and I was a big fan of human rights and still am, obviously, I'm passionate about that. But this whole idea was you have to be okay with the uncomfortable moments of freedom of speech right. and freedom of the press and the ugly speech is the hardest to tolerate, right. but you have to tolerate the ugliest in order to maintain the freedom for everybody. Right. And right. it seems like this next generation does not agree with that concept. And the ACLU is having a, I don't know if you know this, ACLU is having a hard time raising money now because if people found out that they fought to allow the Ku Klux Klan to march through the streets, which they did, because they said, listen, we have to protect them too, and if everybody's going to have it... Um, now they're like, we, we can't do those kind of initiatives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's pretty fascinating. It's, um, it, it's, a, it's a tough thing because I, I, I think what gets normalized as okay and, uh, at any particular point in, in time and from a zeitgeist is, uh, is what affects somebody's ability to fight for the freedom of speech or not. Mm. One of the things that I, we end up thinking about a lot with AR is physical spaces. Who owns the rights to say what can be placed here? That is a big issue. Pokemon Go had this very issue, which right. was people, I don't know if they got sued or not, but people were like, you cannot Pokemon Go up my house. 
So did they ever reconcile that, like, and say it's just going to be on public streets or don't hop people's fences? I wonder what happened there. Um, this is more homework for Jackie. Yeah, more homework for Jackie. <laughs> but so how do you view it? If I, obviously a public space is a plug, public space. Right. As a commercial business, if right. I wanted to create my, you know, San Francisco inside the Presidio, right. which is a public space available to the public, but I create my Presidio, mm-hmm. you know, guide. Right. Do I need their permission to start putting assets everywhere? So you don't if it's a public space, right? And the idea is if you have access to a phone and a camera and you have access to this space, this part of your city, Mm. that's all you should have to be able to create a shared AR environment there for other people to join you. And now if it's a private space, you've got to have the ability to permission it and say, no, this is my living room and I only want to invite my friends to this. But public spaces are about that, about giving Mm. people a a forum and a place to go, yep, I do want to have an experience here that other people can see in real time. For the public. Let me give you an edge case. Uh, I want to create the King Kong game, and I want King Kong to climb the uh, Empire State Building. Mm-hmm. It's on the outside of the Empire State Building. It's private property. Is that okay or not? Uh, outside of the building, climbing up it? Um, my, my job and my view, I believe, <laughs> is that if we build the right tools for people to be pretty opinionated about whether that's a public space or not, so if the, if the, um, if the Empire State Building folks uh, feel really strongly. They will have the tools mm. to make it really hard to put, the King, put King Kong on the outside of that building. Now, people don't know this, but you invested in Magic Leap. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, yeah, Kleiner Perkins invested. Got and I, and um, that was when I, when I just joined the firm. So that means you've seen all the demos. You've been there. Uh, to, to Fort Lauderdale? Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of people who were saying this was another Theranos because... Nobody's seen the technology, they raise billions of dollars. But the truth is, and it's very different, isn't it? Theranos, the investors didn't see the product. And magically, the investors all experienced the project and were blown away. What was so mind-blowing about that physical product that people have talked about now? I think the, the Andreessen Harwitz folks have talked about it. It's a big box. You look into it, you can see this incredible experience. What was so compelling about that that you hadn't seen before that you wanted to invest? Um, I, when I saw them... I, I, it was really exciting. Any, I, I, <laughs> I find anything that pushes us into the spatial medium pretty exciting. And it's always compelling when you see um, really talented people working on it. And, and Magic Leap had, a, had an army of really smart, talented computer vision engineers, people who actually had the technical skills to bring this to market working on 2013. And, and you know this from an investment standpoint, the biggest signal is the people. Mm-hmm. And it was a great group of people. Now, the founder, Palmer Lucky, of Oculus fame said it's garbage. Mm. What's your take? I think people will forget all this in a few years because we're barely getting started and people have no idea. He said the developer kit was garbage or something. I think people... Like, that was terrible. I think people like taking hot takes and stuff. But, you know, it's like we're yeah. just, it's, it's the beginning of such an exciting time. Yeah. That's the only thing that matters. Is so you think something... that company will be, you think they'll win it all in AR? Do you I, think they'll be the number one player? I have no idea. But I think it's uh, somebody, like, I think there's, mo- this thing is going to be so massive. They're going to be, it's, it's like the internet. There's a spatial internet coming. Yeah. There's going to be ma- new companies, several companies that are massive winners. And I don't think it's just one. Will there be a worldwide web-like standard for AR? In other words, will we all agree that there is an AR location that is, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge. Right. And that if I put my AR glasses and say, show me everything. Right. I can see everything under, you know, God's creation there. Right. Uh, or is it always going to be that 
people will you know download one app and see that flavor of the world another app that flavor of the world will be this or there will there be some standard where we'll look out at the world and see like oh here's the yelp the foursquare the TripAdvisor, the zagat review of this restaurant right that's that's what we're focused on because it's a terrible experience mm. user experience they'll only be able to see one slice of the world depending on which app you're in oh. so you're going to be the app store of no 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 we're going to be the browser the browser of got it so you're the Firefox browser, et cetera. Off spaces. How do you permission that? Because it seems to me, right. you know, in the early days of um, in the early days of the interwebs, how old are you? I'm 26. Okay, so you're, you're a baby. Um, <laughs> when you were 20 years ago, let's see, it's 2018, 2008. Yeah, it, there was a place, there was something called Third Voice, I believe was the name of it. And what they would do is they would allow you to go, if you had this little browser extension. Okay. I could go and you could go onto the New York Times, highlight a piece of text and put a comment. Mm, user generate comments on the internet. They got sued. <laughs> People were like, this is vandalism. They said, well, no, hmm. it's, we're not putting it on your website. We're putting it on, a, we have a layer. If you turn on this browser extension, you see the layer. Right. It was brilliant. Right. Uh, and there's other people who've done web annotation. There's actually a web annotation standard. And mm -hmm. I bought the domain name annotated.com to do a business in this because I loved it so much. Maybe I could do a joint venture with you for that, annotated. Hit me up. Um, that would be, oh, wow, what did, an <laughs> AR tool called annotated. So these, we call these layers. Layers. Right? And people can very easily author these layers using our tools. And it's actually crazy how humans have an innate need to annotate the world. Yeah. They want to annotate everything. Hmm. And you can't do that in physical space. That's why today. that brother P touch is so popular. Everybody wants to put those little labels on stuff. They're, they're, that's you exactly crazy with that. Right. It's it's graffiti. It's the ability to say I was here. Here are my thoughts on this yeah. thing. It's just an innate. I believe it's an innate human. So desire. how do you manage multiple people wanting to tag up right. on the Golden Gate Bridge as such? It's, it is your context graph, right? It is the mm -hmm. idea that I want to permission the Golden Gate view the bridge mm -hmm. with my family because ah. I'm I'm annotating a bunch of things like photos for my family. Got it. Uh, but if it's, and if it's a public space, then I do maybe want to annotate it as banks. So you'll does. have a social graph in some way or an address book built you, into your- You invite your friends via Ubiquity contact. 6. That's right. Is it going to be called Ubiquity 6's browser or you don't know yet? Are you figuring it out? Or you're not uh, we're going to announce it pretty soon. Oh, good. Awesome. So when do you think this will all come out? When will we be able to play with Ubiquity 6's browser for AR um, in the world? Is we, it a 2019 thing? Uh, no, we're, well, we're working pretty fast. To, like the wait list has blown up pretty- surprisingly and so I'm working really fast to let people off the wait list but over the next few months you should exp like I'm trying to get as many people out the door as I can we're in private beta oh you're private right now okay yeah. I'll take a look at it later then uh, you can't show it yet no I you're can't you have some big launch what a TechCrunch Disrupt or something you're launching it or uh, I you have will a date? be a Disrupt and we'll be showing off some fun stuff oh so that'll be the first time you debut it so that's next week mm -hmm. oh okay on the so. 6th what is the career or job that'll be helped the most by AR mm-hmm Creatives, right? They okay. will, there's going to be Why? a massive new category called spatial creators. People who are today basically bounded by 2D mm. and are going to be able to do all kinds of new things. Like there, there'll be a new category of, of people who build new kinds of games, new kinds of location-based guides, mm. indoor navigation experiences, art experiences like we did at the SF MoMA, yeah. where uh, more than 100 people were able to interact with each other to, to interact, to see the world of René Magritte. Every, there's, this a whole, there's a whole new category of people who are going to be want, wanting to publish stuff to the physical world that doesn't exist yet. So they're like digital architects or yes. AR architects or creators. So we have people who are filmmakers. Right. Uh, we have people who are musicians. Mm -hmm. We have people who are artists who work in different mediums. Journalists, writers. People and now are, we'll have this new one, which will be create an object in virtual. In AR. In AR. In augmented that, reality. In augmented reality that layers on top of the real world. That's right. Fascinating. 
and they will monetize this career how? Uh, so this is this how is, is this going to all make money? Um, Selling the glasses, subscriptions to data feeds. What is it going to be? The, the Rainbow's End is a fantastic read for this reason. Uh, but my belief is stuff that's worked in similar communities. Mm. MMOs. If you're familiar with Roblox, Minecraft. Well, hold are, on. What's a Roblox? Roblox is a... Is oh, a, Roblox. I know that. Yes. The MMO for kids. Got it. Right? Those kinds... People like paying for upgrades to their world. Got it. And that's going to be, I think, the most... Uh, natural way people want to pay for stuff in the, so in the real world. So people will go out to a party and right. pay for an augmented reality cape. An upgrade. And upgrade that. Right. And they'll pay Gucci or Tom Ford for a cape right. that they'll wear right. that doesn't exist in the real world. But everyone but can see. But that looks really fly. It looks really fly and everyone can see it with you. Yeah. That's the core. Like, of this, Which of people the, pay for now. Like, people who are in Fortnite or whatever are paying for dance that, moves or right. other little experiences right. that they can show off, little digital assets. They right. cost onesies, twosies. And it sounds completely stupid, but so does paying for going to a movie. If you, know, if you were in the 19-whatever, right. you know, before movies became a, a, a proper medium, right. and somebody said, oh, you could watch a train go by, come to this movie theater for five bucks to watch a, for a dollar to watch a train go by. People would like, call you crazy. You'd be like, but I could watch a train go by outside anytime. Right. I see trains all the time. I pay nothing. Right. So it's it's that kind of a thing. What what career will be eliminated because of this? Are there jobs that suck hmm. that we will be able to get rid of and retire so people could then take on this new career? Because every time these new technologies come out, there's a group of people who win, right. and there's a group of careers that get retired. I don't want to say lo they're lost, but we don't have people plugging in. We don't have phone operators anymore Yeah, connecting calls. Right. We don't have people in toll booths suffering in a prison cell with carbon monoxide around them with the risk of getting hit by a truck. Right, right. So we don't have toll booth clerks anymore. Probably billboards. You billboards. Know, signage is, is such a hacky way, right? It's such a hacky way to proxy a shared experience with, with a 2D medium. Mm. And it's kind of a legacy industry. It's actually always blows me away how, how much signage still exists. Mm. But I think it's unlikely. If you close your eyes and try to imagine the future five years from now when everyone has AR, I think it's hard to envision oh my God. physical signage. I just got the greatest idea. I'm, I'm going to say it right now on the show, but I may cut this out. So if, I, if we cut it out, cut it out and tease everybody, and then we'll go to it. I'm taking notes. But you'll give me your response to sure. it. Um, an ad blocker, an AR ad blocker for the real world, where all commercial messages in the real world, in other words, the Coca-Cola billboard turns into uh, a beautiful Blade Runner poster for me. Right. And some ad on the side of the bus. Right turns into photos from my favorites list of my family. La and, layer filters, right? I don't want to see and, your your. Oh world. my God, an ad blocker for AR. Did you have that idea yet? Be uh, honest. Um, my belief is if it works on the internet, it's going to work in, in okay, on a spatial saying, internet. Did you ever consider that? Did that ever come up in a, in a roadmap meeting? Uh, we, yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, 100%, right? Because okay. people go, well, how soon can I advertise on this? Well, we're not sure we want to allow that, but if we yeah. do, you got to have a way to block it. Yeah, I mean, ad replacing... Oh my God, just replace all the ads in the world with funny, cute, animal The, the, the slam dunk is when ads don't look like ads. Yeah. Right? No, so, I mean, we have that now, right? I know I have a friend who he basically searches for, um, God, how do I say this? And not, well, he's the misogynist, not me. But anyway, he searches for bikini photos and then all his targeted ads become bikinis. And this is like, my friend is like, this is how I use targeting. I just search for bikinis for sale. And then everywhere I go, Dredger Board, I just see bikini photos. It's awesome Yeah, no, that's not what I'm thinking. What I'm trying to say is- that Targeted it, ads. They're, no, they're immersive and they're fun. Oh, I see. So we're all going to love ads suddenly? I don't buy it. I, I don't know. People, Fortnite is a pretty big ad 
for a game engine, right? Uh, Called Unreal. That's a stretch. I mean, it's not like somebody's inserting themselves saying, let me insert myself, distract your attention so you if go you buy play, something. If you've played FIFA, right? I haven't. Uh, if you've played any of these sports games, yeah. there's a bunch of ads inside. You don't even realize because they're yeah. on the stadium. No, no, I get that part. Yeah. Because that's like how it is in the real that's world. That's how it is in the real world. And yeah. I think when you finally marry AR with the real world, ads mm -hmm. won't seem like ads. They will seem like a natural extension to something you want to do because they look mm -hmm. like physical objects. Hmm. Oh, I see. So I'll be walking down the street and there'll be like the Tesla Roadster 2.0 will be parked. And instead of it looking like a Prius, you replace every Prius with the Tesla Roadster 2.0. So then I have to buy a fifth car. I'm not trying to sell you Is this what you're trying to do? <laughs> right is, this, is this your grand scheme to get me to buy a fifth Tesla? No, that's a really interesting idea, though, if you think about it. If you were a competitor and you're using your solution, right. you could sell to that you're going to replace every Toyota on the road with the Model 3. Right. So people are like, I don't want to look at Toyotas anymore. I want to look at Model 3s. Being able to program the real world in 3D uh. with software is a pretty mind-blowing concept. People should get ready for that. It's going to come. It's happening. Could I take all hipsters and turn them into <laughs> characters from like Game of Thrones or Star Wars or sure, the Marvel Sure, they can universe? all look like Joffrey and you can just like hack I just want to get rid of every hipster. That would be another great filter for AR. Okay, what about, we, we hear this a lot with surgeons and pilots and this kind of stuff. Right. Do you see a day where I would be able to put on AR glasses mm -hmm. and essentially do surgery or be an EMT myself? Because when you think about the knowledge that doctors have, they look at a patient, they look at the vitals, and they make a decision. Right. Now, if I put AR goggles on, right. and I got all that data, I would have an incredible advantage. Right. And I would be able to probably, on the edges, do what a doctor does. I think uh, that's exactly what's already started happening in the enterprise. It has happened. Right. Which is augmenting your not just your visual display, but your intelligence. Mm. Is That's already starting to happen. And I, I think that's one of the reasons um, some things like the HoloLens have quite have, have had some meaningful adoption in the enterprise sometimes mm -hmm. because that is very valuable. To have yeah. a remote person telling you, hey, Jason, here's what you got to do right now is very valuable. Got it. Um, all right. Well, I think we figured it out. AR is going to change everything. I believe so. You're going to do it on the phones to start. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to have glasses at some point. We all very know soon. Apple's working on them. When do you think Apple's glasses come out? Um, if you had to take a guess. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of talk about 2020 being a magical year for AR and Apple. Why? Um, just rumors. Oh, just rumors. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Have, have you uh, signed an NDA with them to not talk about it? If I did, I, you wouldn't, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to tell you if I had an NDA. Oh, God, <laughs> this guy's they, smart. He didn't fall for the trick question. <laughs> this, I usually get people. You know the drill, the NDA, the NDA, you know? The NDA of the NDA. Right, right. If there isn't, I, be, I literally had a journalist contact me. And he's like, is this portfolio company you're an investor in merging with this company? Mm -hmm. I said, it's my job to not talk about things like that as an investor in the company. And he wrote back, so no comment. I said, no, the comment I just wrote you is the comment. Right, exactly. There it's my go. job to do so. If you don't say I said no comment, because I didn't say no comment. I said, I don't talk about things like that with journalists. You yeah. can use that comment, but not no comment, because the no comment is, is what they comment. use to try to triangulate that there's something going on. Um, and Google, they haven't announced any plans for an AR headset have they not since glass no that's fascinating why do you think glass failed or is glass a failure or is it just a experiment that got overhyped it was an experiment that i think is taking time these things take time take a while people expect i think a but lot glass was would you consider glass ar 
Glass kind was a of? teaser, right? Because it was not actually responding to the localized. Yeah, like I was saying, it was not trying to localize you in a real space. Right. It was kind of a fairly just. It was a single overlay. Ah. It was a screen on top of your eyes. Um, so that was a step. That was step mm-hmm. one. You gotta, you know, you gotta try to walk before you yeah. fly. Because when you looked in the corner, you basically saw like a little floating screen. Little, so yeah, this is one of the concepts in AR is that you could put a screen anywhere. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Um, well, what do you think of the Hololens? Microsoft's multi-thousand-dollar bundle. I used it. I'll give you my comments after I hear yours. Really great developer kit, and okay. that's important. We're nowhere near consumer adoption, right? Okay. But you got to give people stuff to make so they can start imagining what the world is Sorry. like when we get there. And it's not ready for consumers because it's too expensive. It's ex- incredibly expensive. It's pretty heavy. The form factor is not. You're not going to walk around with it. it. You often need to pair it with uh, a, P- a PC. Yeah. Um, you actually do always need to pair it with a PC. And um, that's that's fine for creatives and mm. for creators and for the enterprise. And uh, that got it. That was great. You've got to give people something that they can experiment with. I thought the with. field of vision was very narrow. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking out of the world, you know, when you're, I don't know if you had this experience, but if I'm looking directly at you right. and there was some augmented assets around you, right? Great, I see them. Right. But if there was a person standing next to you and then there was another person, so you were five across, right. now you're opening up to you know over 90 degrees of angle. That, yeah. I was not seeing the fifth person or the first person in that row of five people or the digital assets around them as such. So it created this weird, like, there can be a digital asset kind of in front of you, but not any in the peripheral, right. which makes it weird because then when you look and you start scanning, the thing disappears it doesn't stay there. This is one of those things that gives you an appreciation for the human body. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that field of view problem is a, re- is a really uh, hard one. But I, I, you should expect for that to get solved quite soon in iterations, you know. What's after AR? So if we're sitting here and we make this crazy jump right. in logic that, you know, we create this dual stack. We have our biological, spatial, visual stack. Right. Then we have this digital one. What's the next one? Is it it's the It's a brain-computer interface. Brain-computer interface is the next leap? Yeah. So we went from... PCs to mobile to wearables, VR, AR then, maybe contact lenses, so like the ultimate unobtrusive AR. Right, ambient AR. Ambi- oh, ambient AR. That's what it's called when you don't actually know it's happening or it's, it's not... It's not obtrusive, right? right? It's always on and it's able to augment in useful ways without you having to sort of explicitly say, can you please turn on this experience right now? It's able to intelligently just come into your life and say, hey, I know you're trying to do this. Mm. Um, let me help you with that. Are you building for Magic Leap? Because that, that's public now that they have Magic Leaps out there, right? You we do the, have dev kits. You have the dev kits. Yep. You, you, are you bullish on it? The Magic Leap uh, stack and the product? Yeah. I'm bullish on anybody who is mm. allowing people to create spatially this medium is going to is, is is growing so fast. The number of people who want to make stuff with it, any tool you give them, is is this going to be great. another platform wars where we have like the iOS version of this, the Android version of God, this, I and then not. Magic Leap version I, of this? I really hope not. Ugh. Like, will there be any standardization for the experience to work across? History these? would tell you probably not. So there'll probably be two or three different ones duking it out for a I decade. Think so. Ugh. But that's the job of, that's not consumers' problems. You know, that's for us to figure out as devs. So as 2020, 2025, we'll have ambient AR, no problem. Be super interesting. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen to people's anxiety and the bad side of this, the downside? What are the things that concern you? Are you you're not a parent yet. You're 26. I assume you're not, not a parent, a parent yet. yet. Um, you, what are the things that, because as parents, we look at social media, we look at YouTube, and we're like, these things are kind of dark, and we don't want our kids on them. And they are not enriching their lives. They're taking them to very dark places. Right. And they don't add to anything. 
Yeah. When we look at AR, there will be some bad issues here. There'll be some things like the Pokemon Go deaths, et cetera. So what are those dark things that you think guardrails have to be built against? We have so much to learn from games that I think we're going to end up figuring out a lot, a lot better than we did with the internet. There's so much about that games have already solved. Game creators have been pretty thoughtful about, you know, and this is why you hear them because communities care about trolling and mm. harassment and moderation. And there's a lot of investment that's gone into figuring those things out for the gaming community and the gaming products and the gaming world. And those should, at least at minimum, we should cover our bases with that. Mm. A lot of people think of games as being isolating. Uh, they say, oh, this, this kid is like playing games all the time. Well, you realize they're actually socializing so much when they're on Fortnite. They're talking to their friends. They've got Twitch in, they've got Twitch on one screen. They've got a Discord running. So they're communicating constantly. And so I actually think many of the dark things that you're describing with social media that's in a weird place where the internet did not catch up to allow real life interactions the way yeah. you know, we really do live our lives. Um, this is a bump in the road. Mm. I think where they are actually interactions start looking a lot more natural the way humans are supposed to interact. We might start looking people in the eye again. I'm really worried about so. this generation because they don't <laughs> talk to each other. Like you'll have five kids and they're all looking at their iPads. Right. So they're not making eye contact. That was one of the most amazing Super things. Super disturbing. And when we did this thing at the MoMA mm. with hundreds of people, the largest shared AR experience that we, in, our, in my belief is that we, anybody's ever run, people were looking through their phones at each other. Right. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm looking at you, but mm. through my phone, through an augmented layer. And I think that's, that's my hope. That's what all of us are working book, on. In this book, what was the craziest, most memorable? What was the book's name again? Rainbow's End. In Rainbow's End, what were the most memorable AR moments that influenced you? Um, it's what the classroom is like. Ah. And I won't ruin it for people, but... Well, they, give them a little bit. You can give them a taste. It's okay. Hey, everybody. It's a little spoiler at the end. Go ahead. Um, the the idea that, that you can control how people see you mm. digitally is such a profound change. Right. And changes the way you learn, how you interact with other students. It removes a lot of anxiety. I'm not good enough. Um, no, I'm actually pretty good because I can change. My, my, how I look physically may not, uh, does not need to be the primary determinant of my self-confidence and my wow. esteem. It's a huge issue with classrooms. Yeah. And that was kind of the punchline of Ready Player One too. Like this, people weren't who they seemed to be kind of a thing. Right, and, right. And you yeah. can be somebody you want to be and that can be you. It doesn't have to be, you're not pretending. It is you. Wow, that, if you think about that, we, we do define us so much on our physicality. Right. You know, like I'm tall, I'm short, I'm fat, whatever. Right. You know, and... And that takes people years sometimes to overcome. Right. Just because we don't have the tools and the technology was not there to give us those superpowers when we were growing up as I kids. Mean, people go through sexual reassignment with hormones and surgeries. Right. And if we all lived in an AR environment, I know this is sounding really like Silicon Valley pretentious, but people could explore different possibilities for themselves and say, hey, maybe I want to be a girl. Maybe I want to be non-binary. Maybe I want to be you know, a different gender, a different race. I want to be a different height. It's incredibly liberating. That. It's very liberating. Yeah. That's kind of a mind F, as we say in the business. It's kind of like really fascinating to think that if everybody used these every day, you would get to pick your persona like you do with your avatar in the old days in games. And from stuff like moment that. to moment. From moment to moment. Wow. In real time. Yeah, I could see some dark stuff from that. All right. Uh, this has been amazing. Oh, I promised to give you something that uh, I love and I hate. The thing I'm loving right now, I got this Pixel Book too. You can see it here if you're watching. This is from uh, Google, and I had the original Pixel Book, mm. and I was impressed. They sent me one for free, uh, but this one I paid for. You know, the two came out, and uh, I heard about it. I got it. Got a recommendation on it. Fifteen hundred bucks, sixteen gigs of RAM, an incredible processor, and it is half the price of my MacBook. I haven't touched my MacBook since I got this. Mm. 
twice as fast, never crashes, and it's got a touchscreen and you can flip it over. And I think I'm about taking my whole company because all I care about is people's productivity and like the machine's not crashing. I think I can save half the amount of money on our and make everybody twice as productive uh, with these um, new Google Pixel books. So if Google's listening, you got a free ad for that. Something I hate. It's a tip for founders. And um, Ajane, you might uh, back me up on this. Know your audience when you're emailing an investor. Asking busy people to have coffee or dinner to talk about ideas. In 2018, after every single person who said, <laughs> you live in an environment where 10,000 startups are funded every year, in existence probably, um, and there are probably 100,000 that are unfunded, and then there's 100 million people going around with ideas and prototypes, you haven't earned the meeting yet. You, you get the meeting after you either had great success in life, so you're a default meeting, or you build something. And building something is so easy today that just go build something. Don't ask for coffee for meetings, please. All right. What do you think about that advice? Something I hate. Uh, I'm I, not pretentious in hating. <laughs> the stuff that's really hard is, can I buy you coffee to pick your brain? I was like, that sounds really un painful. I don't want anyone to pick, pick up my brain. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is a really bad idea too. Yeah, I get that um, all the time. You would. The way to say that is... Um, you would ask your friends, not investors. You wouldn't want to blow the investor relationship saying, can I pick your brain? Right. What you would do is you would get the prototype built and say, here's my prototype. Can I get advice? Right. I think actually, Randy, who you had on your show, yeah. uh, when we were a client together, he had a wonderful piece of advice, which is you ask for advice and you get money and you ask for money, you'll get advice. Exactly. And I think it works. All right. On that note, everybody go check out Ubiquity 6. I assume you're hiring since you have such a we're huge, hiring. huge... Uh, amount of money and uh, generally pro tip here the founders tend to get first name at company name dot com generally speaking if I own inside.com I'm going to get Jason at inside.com not another person in the company so if you uh, what are you hiring for across the board everything everything Developers, computer vision computer artists vision. designers um, engineers if anybody's excited about spatial creating in, in a spatial medium I want to talk to them. you are super excited about this quite charming you're, you're like a, an AR nerd. You're a space nerd. You really want to see this happen. It's really exciting times to be alive. I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> the a, I, I do prefer AR to VR. What I'm hoping is somebody can just, for me, the killer app for AR is going to be if everybody's first name, if they opt into this, mm -hmm. and if they're with friend of a friend, it shows me their name above their head. You want the little avatar icon. And above. I want to know the three or four friends in a little rainbow from shoulder to shoulder over their head of the friends we know in common the closest. So that when we meet, we're like, oh my God, you know Bill Gates too? Right. Oh my God, when's the last time you saw Bill? We just like, we start on second base in the relationship, we can start talking, like right. it feels cool. And then imagine you're walking down the street and you see somebody across the street, you look at each other across the street and it says 78% match in terms of our interests. And you're like, well, that's weird. <laughs> it must wow. be fate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The shared uh, experience is so powerfully human. I think you're, you're that's right. Establishing a shared context with other people. What would the Tinder of AR look like? I have no idea, but I'm excited to see someone try to build it. That's going to be an interesting <laughs> one to me because when I, you do percentage match, right. you could say, hey, when we were walking around in a party, instead of swiping right, swiping left, it would just tell you, go that direction, go that direction, meet this person next. It would just tell, send you on a, like, introduce yourself. So right. if somebody made an AR character... 
that was Cupid. Like, okay, Cupid could make a literal Cupid that would fly around right. and say, would you like me to fly you to the next person? And Cupid would just fly and, you know, fly around us and say, hey, Jason, meet, you know, Susan. And the Susan, meet Jason, boom, boom, boom. And then right. all of a sudden you go to the next one, the next one. Like a real world Cupid. That's your okay Cupid layer, you know? And okay Cupid layer yeah. in the world. All right. Uh, this has been amazing and mind-blowing. 2020, it's going to happen, and this is the company that's probably going to play a big part in it, Ubiquity 6. Thanks for coming on the program. We'll see you all next time on this week's Bye-bye.